Welcome to a special episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. My guest today was the lead editor for Macworld, then founded and writes on his website today, sixcolors.com. He's the host of the Upgrade Podcast with Mike Hurley and creator of the Incomparable Podcast Network as well as hosting that show. Thanks so much for joining me, Jason Snell. Hello. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. When I think of the patriarchs of the Mac, Jason, I, I think oh dear, I think of John Gruber, John Syracuse, and a third J named Jason Snell. Ooh. I don't know. You, you guys are like the Mac guys in my mind. Do you feel that way? It's good company. We've been around a long time. I mean, I, I've been around longer than those guys writing about the Mac, but but they, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're people who've been doing this. I think there are a lot of people got into this stuff, you know, in the 2000s when we've been around that whole time. So I think that right. does give us a little bit of a, you know, you wait around long enough, you people remember you from back in the day. Yeah, I have been feeling older because some of the the younger guys the young whippersnappers i tell them my first mac was in 2004 and they think i'm old so i don't know when do you remember what year you got your first macintosh computer my first mac i bought my i bought in college right right so it would have been the spring of 1990 oh in the 90s you know the young people call those the 1900s I don't, I don't like that, but that's how they refer okay, to it. Okay, yeah. I mean, 20, 20th century. <laughs> back in yeah, the 20th century. I prefer century. that too. But as, as a Mac person, as someone who, who has a long history with it, I've heard your thoughts on the new Mac Studio. I think you have one of those and the Studio Display on your upgrade program. I believe you referred to it as a homely computer. Uh, <laughs> I did. Which I thought was a wonderful description. I too have a Mac Studio. I have the M1 Max version. And so it's been about a month. How are your, uh, how's your one month review of the Mac Studio computer? I also have the M1 Max version, not the Ultra version. Yeah. It's been great. You know, on, on the desktop, I was not using Apple Silicon before. I was using right. an iMac Pro. And so mm. it's, even though I have experience with Apple Silicon because I've got an M1 MacBook Air, having it in the context of being on my desk, I am reminded again, and also having it be the Max of just how how powerful it is and yes. how fast it is. <laughs> and so it's just been really nice to have uh, for the first time in four and a half years-ish, you know, a new computer, new desktop computer that's faster and it does all the things. I was I was denoising some very long audio files, which is one of the most processor intensive things I do right. yesterday. And I was noticing that every step of the way, it was just that much faster than it was before, which was great. Yes. There was a recent update, Final Cut 10.6.2, I believe came out. And that has made a significant difference in my Final Cut workflow. Really love the the Max for that. Do you do you still feel like it's a it's a homely design? It is very utilitarian. We'll talk about like ports in a moment, but but has it grown on you? Or does it still feel kind of hmm? I mean everybody gets their own aesthetic belief and everybody also can choose how they interpret words if they want to. <laughs> I chose homely. It's just the word that struck struck me. I think that things that are homely are not conventionally attractive, but they may grow on you. Right. But it's not something that out of the box you're like, oh, look at this. It's more like out of the box you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a big tall Mac Mini. It's like it doesn't. Yeah, it does not excite me. Would you have preferred space gray instead of silver? Oh, I, I, I don't. I literally don't care. In fact, it's under my desk now. It's attached to the bottom of my desk, so I don't even see it now, which is just fine with me. But, um, but yeah, I would still say. I mean, it's in the eye of the beholder, obviously, as the saying goes. But I think the beauty of the Mac Studio is that it was designed for a function and not form. Right. And if you like how it looks, that's great. But the point is, if you're Apple, you don't put ports and a slot on the front if form is your priority over function and and it's not with this thing. Right. Which is interesting because the newest Mac Pro, which new back in 2019, 
the only ports are on the top, not the front. It does have a more striking design than the Mac Studio. You know, when you see that thing with the tryptophobic circles on the front, it's at least it's something to look at. You know, I, I will say the Mac Studio is is a nondescript. It's a block of aluminum. Yeah, and it's a block of aluminum, but it's got the, you know, the two vertical lines and then the one longer horizontal line that are the ports in the slot. So it's got like a, a, a again, yeah. I mean, it is it is what it is. It is a fat Mac Mini that's got a lot of power. <laughs> and the whole point of it is that it's that's what it that's what it is. It's about the power and right. and it's great. It's a great little computer. It's it's really quite remarkable. Yeah, and mine sits atop the desk and like you alluded to, I heard on the upgrade program, you have mounted yours under the desk. I don't know if this is precarious or if you've feel very confident in this plastic holder that, that you have, but what? how exactly do you mount it under the desk? Well, I mean, there's a whole realm of under desk computer mounts and equipment mounts where you get a, a shelf and you screw it in to right. your desk. And, you know, I, I tried, I actually used one of these for my audio interface because I tried to use it with a Velcro attachment and that didn't work. So Ooh. I bought a metal thing that was meant for some little PC and it now sort of sits on a shelf in there. This thing is from, it's a plastic thing from uh, OWC that was made for a, basically a Mac Mini with a, another Mac Mini or a Mac Mini footprint hard drive to go together. Mm. And so it fits. And I'd prefer probably metal, but the plastic is fine. It fits. It's secured by four screws into my desk. If if it falls out, I feel like I have bigger problems because it probably means my desk has fallen apart at that point. <laughs> Structural integrity is kind of questionable yeah. then, yeah. So it's just hanging there, but it, I mean, but it really is. It's just essentially on a little shelf under my desk and it's very stable. The only catches are if I want to plug stuff into the back, I do have to kind of raise my desk and slide under there and look around. But I, I can see if I look, you know, if I kind of like tilt my head, I can mm. I can see the front of it. So I can plug into those two ports very quickly if I want to, and I can reach around back and turn it on. And those are the things that you know, I need access to, but otherwise it's just off my desk and I've got a couple of uh, cables just running out of the back of the display and the whole little grommet on my desk. And then they, and they plug in underneath. Gotcha. I got a whole little world underneath my Mac. Like I've got, right. I've got my, or underneath my desk, I've got that USB audio interface. I've got a, a USB hub. I've got a bunch of different cables. I got a power strip down there. There's lots of stuff. <laughs> that's, that's my solution to desk clutter and cord management is just make the clutter on the underside of the desk where um, you never look. Well, I love that idea. I'm actually constructing a new home down here in Central Florida, and I will actually have an office for the first time. And so I'm, I'm gathering all these ideas. I see this under desk solution you have, and it's tempting me. But my next question was going to be port wise. One of the wonderful things about the Mac Studio is the number of ports, even USB-A. And I have managed to use all of them in the back, save for the HDMI port. Mm -hmm. But I do use a Thunderbolt dock in one to expand some of that storage. So I'm curious, have you filled all the ports on the back and have you been able to get rid of any docks or do you still use some kind of hubs and docks with the Mac Studio? Yeah, so I had this moment the other week where I realized that I maybe I don't need that USB-A hub under my desk anymore. And then I looked and it has four USB-A plugged into it. And I mm. thought, oh, I actually, I am full. Yeah. In fact, I think I, ha I think I might have one Thunderbolt on the back that's open. Okay. Not sure about that. And the ports on the front are open. Right. But it's pretty full. I, I have done a pretty good job of filling it up with everything, including USB-A. And some of that is mix and match. It's like, well, I've got an open USB-A and I've I've got some stuff that doesn't matter, so I'll plug it in there. But I still have a USB-A hub under my desk that it's feeding. 
for various reasons, like I, I have a wired keyboard. I have a stream deck that requires a USB plug. Right. I keep my magic trackpad plugged in mostly because hmm. I don't want to have to charge it and, and then drain it down and then charge it again. And I'm sitting, it doesn't need to not, it doesn't need to be wireless. It can be wired. So I just make it wired right. and those all need to go somewhere and they go to that USB hub that is not any anything exciting at all, but that's all they need to do. And it used to be very cleverly under the desk, and then one cable would come out and go to the <laughs> iMac, and now it just stays under the desk and plugs into the the Mac Studio. But so I've kept that around, and that's about it. I haven't had any other hubs for a long time. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, I, I'm using one CalDigit Elements Thunderbolt hub. Strictly for some external hard drives, because I had multiple external hard drives, and I was like, eh, right. rather than unplugging and plugging from the Mac Studio itself, let me do the dock. I'll keep that. Oh, uh, let me tell you, I have, so the Mac Studio is there in this under, you know, basically shelf right. under my desk, and there are a bunch of cables coming out that are that are going, including two that are going to uh, the grommet that comes up to the top of the desk, and one of them is going to power. So there's a whole, like, bunch of cables that are coming right out of the back, right? It's actually right. pretty sizable. One of the items that's plugged into my Mac Studio back there is my backup drive, which is an SSD, external SSD, and it's literally just laying on top of the cables that are coming out the back <laughs> okay. because SSDs are so light and right. there's just nothing to them. And there are so many cables coming out of the back that are going places that I haven't even needed to Velcro it or something. It's just laying there <laughs> because, it, and I forgot it was there and I was back there plugging something else in and I thought, oh yeah, right. That's where that is. Look at that thing. It's just hanging out. I mean, cause it's insubstantial. It used to be tucked in the back of the Visa adapter on my iMac Pro. Like it just, and I would forget it, it was there right. because because it's not even visible. And so that's what I have right now. So if you had a bigger drive, then it's a different story. But I have a server. I have a Mac Mini that acts as a server that's got a big RAID. And that is in another room because I didn't want to hear it anymore. Right. And so that's not part of this equation. Speaking of hearing things, <laughs> has the fan noise on the new Mac Studio come to bother you since you've gotten it? No, I mean, I'm not really bothered by fan noise. Yeah. Um, I would say that I was one of the people who noticed that it does make fan noise at all times because I was sitting in my office and it was very quiet and I could hear it on yeah. the desk and yeah. I realized that was the Mac Studio. I find it funny that people argue about this and, and they're like, well, it doesn't make noise. It does make noise. It doesn't make noise. It does make noise. It's like, well, <laughs> if you hear it, it makes noise. If a tree falls in the forest. <laughs> if you don't hear it, it means you don't hear it. And that's okay. It means that either the background noise in where you're listening or perhaps you're hearing mm. suggest that you can't hear it that's okay right. but don't tell me that i don't hear it because i tell you <laughs> i wasn't listening for it right. i was doing something else i was slid over to the left a little bit away from my display with it sitting on the desk so i got closer to it yeah not thinking about it at all and i turned to my left to to get something off of the the desk that or, or the table basically that's that's off to my left and i heard on my right a sound and i thought what is that and it was the mac studio <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just you know I wasn't I wasn't like aha I'm gonna get Apple we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna catch them yeah. like it makes a noise I think somebody at Apple decided better to blow it at a constant sound right. than to have it ramp up and down yes and if that constant sound is pretty quiet and it doesn't ramp up and down maybe that's what we should do and that's how I actually felt my iMac Pro always behaved mm. is that I never heard it and I have the eight core model so I'm sure if you had a, maybe a higher core model you heard right. it more but I I never heard it but I could always feel air blowing out of the back. 
back. And when I really put it under load, the air was hotter. Right. But that was it. It didn't crank up like a standard iMac would. Right. And this thing doesn't do that either. I think there is some argument to be made that that's, that's good. If people who are really sensitive about it, maybe it bothers them. But now that it's under the desk, it's even further shielded from my ears. Right. So I don't hear it. I, I hear it pretty much only when I really export something from Final Cut and there's nothing else happening in the room. You know, and interesting. So you can you can hear it ramp up a little bit, a little bit. If I'm exporting like an hour 4K video, yeah, just a hair, like very very minuscule. You would think it might have to blow some hot air out if you're, oh, if you're yeah, ex- yeah. exporting 4K video for an hour. There's probably some waste heat that needs to get dumped into your exactly into your room. Physics. As someone who does a bunch of podcasts, I feel like if it doesn't affect that, then the, the noise really isn't. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be very close to it with your microphone for yeah. it to be a problem, and and yeah, it's. It's it's not a big yeah. deal. Like I, like I think it's a really remarkable computer, and people are going to always try to find what's the Achilles heel of this particular computer. And Apple makes a whole bunch of different computers, and they all have their quirks. But I think this one is is pretty great. And if you if you need absolute silence, I guess the answer is probably get a 16 inch MacBook Pro that is probably going to be quieter in most instances, and then probably louder in some instances yeah, too. Or go MacBook Air that doesn't even have a fan to blow. I mean, sure, it, you're <laughs> just gonna you know you're just gonna. Get, not the power uh, speed constrained yeah yeah exactly well speaking of other things on your desk i believe you have a studio display there as well i do and there has not been an update that apple's announced about the webcam or anything Mm-mm. which you know varying reports but again month in what are your feelings about studio display? You get the feeling that when they promised a, a software update to fix <laughs> issues with the studio display, maybe that was taking some people by surprise who were involved in doing this, oh. the software update. I, w- I wonder about that. Is one of those FaceTime is going open source kind of things? If it was a little bit kind of like not part of their plan, but that's what they got there. I, I like it. I think it fills a very particular niche. Again, I am fascinated by the fact that certain things Apple does will just create controversy on the internet, and that's just how it is. A lot of people... Uh, including, you know, a bunch of people I respect who basically laid into this thing and their response, you know, what they said was you can get cheaper monitors. And it's like, well, yeah, but I can't get this monitor. Like if if you've listened to certain parts of the Mac world for the last seven years, (laughs) you have heard people complain about the LG Ultrafine and more specifically complain that there's basically no other option if you want what Apple considers retina resolution at 5K. They just don't exist. And so I find it kind of rich that somebody kind of rolls in who's not been paying attention and says, uh, you guys are a bunch of suckers. Uh, there's lots of cheap monitors out there. You should just buy one of those. Because like, we know. Right. And if the cheap monitor does the job and I don't care about the Apple specific level of resolution that, you know, Apple wants to have, then great. Like th- those people already bought a monitor. They have not been waiting for seven years for something that's essentially a 5K iMac and a standalone Apple monitor. Right. But that audience has been there and has been feeling the pain of not having the Apple option for all this time. And I think it's not a surprise that this thing is backordered because uh, it's not like those other. I get the criticism. But I would really understand the criticism more if there was a product that did what it did for $500. Right. But there isn't. Right. And there hasn't been. And that was whole Apple's whole premise seven years ago was we're not going to even make a monitor anymore. We're going to let our, our panel partner, LG, make one. And we're going to open it up to the market and let the market decide. And the market decided it was not interested in catering to Mac users. That's what the market decided. Right. So here we are. Right. And is this overpriced? Sure. It's an Apple product. Of course, it costs more than you wanted to. But <laughs> I, to say that it's a bad product... Because 
because the the competition is out there for cheaper. It's like, well, you, you miss the point. Like right. there is a very particular market for whom this is the perfect product for for them. Uh, great. Yeah. And then for everybody else, yeah, if you just want to get a 4K display at 30 inches or like I have a friend who's got a big curve, 32 inch curve display right. and right. He, he doesn't care that it has lower resolution and that it doesn't have quite the number of points that, that are on an Apple laptop on his desktop. He doesn't care. Yeah. And like, this product is not for those people. And it's like saying you can get cheaper Bluetooth headphones, so don't get AirPods, to which I will say I was at a gas station with my son and he saw white Bluetooth headphones that closely resembled AirPods and they cost $15. Mm. And I, I tried my best to convince him otherwise, but he just wanted to get them. And I can tell you from personal experience, they are garbage. Yeah. They sound terrible and they have terrible connectivity. And so you can buy Bluetooth wireless headphones that are white and look like AirPods and will fool 90% of people, but they are also garbage. Yeah. I find it very funny that um, everybody's got their needs. Like if, if you only have $15 and you need a pair of Bluetooth headphones, Absolutely. there they are. Yeah. Right. And, and for the displays, it's very much like, you know, everybody's different. Products don't fundamental aren't fundamentally good or bad right products are for particular audiences and mm. the studio display is for a particular audience what i find funny is like i think there are things to criticize about it and they're not the ones that most people are criticizing about it like i see people raving about the speakers but they're raving about it in the context of it's the best sounding built-in speakers i've heard it's like <laughs> they sound great for built-in speakers are they revolutionary great sound I, I don't actually think they sound better than my iMac pro speakers if i'm mm. honest apple claims they're the best sounding sounding mac speakers ever i I don't think I agree with that, but mm -hmm. very impressive in such a small space that they put those speakers in. The microphone, it's very good. The microphone array, yeah. very good for what it is. They, they learn a lot of lessons from cr cramming these things into MacBook Pros. So they did that. That's, But I don't think there are any great shakes. I think it's a joke that they call them studio quality. I don't think they're anything like that. It really is like you got the gold medal for this very particular sub-sub uh, category. But <laughs> if you t step out into the broader category, like yeah. would I not use external speakers? speakers because of this no like not a, not a chance that right. it's not that it's not that good it's just good for what it is and the display or the uh, webcam which everybody's making a big deal about first off i i suspect that most of the people who wrote the reviews that ripped into the webcam have not spent a lot of time with center stage camera on an ipad which i have i do two zoom or facetime family video conferences a week where center we use the center stage on webcam on the ipad mm -hmm. and so i'm well aware of its issues right and the benefit if it is that it follows you around the room now we could i think there's a strong argument to be made that maybe apple got too caught up in its own hype about the that camera and said it's better to put a lower quality camera that follows you around in this thing than a just a kind of standard but beautiful 4k uh webcam and and so you can make the argument that maybe this is the wrong context for center stage or they should have done a better quality camera i also there are some image processing issues that are very weird and my mm -hmm. office is well lit enough that i didn't really see them but I've definitely seen them in weird lighting conditions, so I do know that they exist. That might be somewhat addressable by a soft by software, but again, I think way blown out of proportion for what the the details are. While other things that I took issue with, nobody mentioned, which I think is hilarious. So it's all in the eye of the beholder in the end. Right. 
Yeah, I have an LG 4K Ultrafine, and I'm I'm choosing to suffer a little longer. I basically have to because you can't get a studio display anyway. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see if some 7K glorious other XDR comes out later this year, as some of the rumors say. We'll see. I really want to hear about your podcasting world because again you do a lot of podcasts that's in the venn diagram of when i think of jason snell i think of max and i think of podcasting sure and so real quick can you run me through kind of your hardware chain you know you've talked about some of those usb devices you have plugged into that mac studio can you run me through like from mic to interface to any other peripherals you have in the podcasting space sure i mean i don't think i would recommend my setup to anybody um, (laughs) because i have a sure sm7b which is a very expensive microphone that requires a very expensive usb audio interface <laughs> yes. uh, because it's very quiet. So I have a SM7B and I have a, a Sound Devices USB Pre 2, which right. is built like a tank and costs like 700 bucks. So for anyone else, I would recommend something else. I would recommend a cheaper microphone and I would recommend a cheaper interface. Yes. Sure actually makes a mini version of the SM7B. I forget what it's called. The MV7, I believe. It's called, a, yeah, right. And I have one of those and I travel with it and it's a USB and XLR microphone. Mm-hmm. So you can plug it into an interface or just plug it into a computer via USB, yes. it works great. Um, there are some other good ones out there too. The um, Audio-Technica makes a combination XLR USB microphone that's pretty good, although its audio settings leave some things to be desired. Sure. And there are a lot of great like cheap XLR mics and then you just need to find an interface that works. Yeah. So, so I have a very expensive thing that I don't think I'd recommend to people, but that's what it is. It's the SM7B to the USB Pre 2 to straight into my Mac Studio at this point. And then I have some in your headphones. The USB Pre 2 is actually still USB-A, if I know correctly. So that's one of those USB-A devices. It is. I think technically it's USB-B. Um, B. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's it's on, on the one end, it's a, just a USB. It's one of the square, like a printer cable. Yeah. I think it's a USB 3 uh, connector, but it's not really. They just did that for stability. So if you have a bigger, right. one of those little bigger kind of chunky uh, square ones, you can put it in there and it'll be a little more secure, but it doesn't actually do anything different. And so you can buy a cable that goes from the USB-B to USB-C just as easily as A. But, you know, it's an audio interface. That's all it, you really need. And that, that one is actually even, is very difficult to find right now. I think it's also over $1,000 now. I think it's like 1200 if you try to get it on Amazon. People shouldn't buy it. I mean, it's great. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very impressive because it doesn't require any special software and it's got all the buttons and dip switches and stuff. So you yeah. set it up and you and you kind of forget about it. And it's a it's a great piece of hardware. It's it's But you know, you really only need it if you're dumb enough to buy a good sounding microphone that requires like an enormous amount of gain, which is what the SM7B yes. does. So like, again, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be like me. <laughs> Yeah. Don't do it. I I discovered that I was making more money from podcasting than writing and I had um, some limited hardware. And so I, I talked to somebody who said, this is a good microphone for you and you'll need this thing. And I said, okay, I'm going to spend the money because this is what I do now. Yes. And I don't regret it. I think it's a great setup, but I, I do not recommend it for literally anyone else. <laughs> well, I literally want it to be like all the cool kids. And so I had an SM7B for a long time. I have it sitting next to me now. I use an Earthworks Ethos currently, which I really love. You don't need an expensive interface for that microphone. But I got these sound devices, Mix Pre 3, made by the same company mm-hmm. as the USB Pre 2. But it's even weirder to have this because it's like a field recorder. Yeah. But I got it because you can record to an SD card in addition to using it as a USB 
interface. Right. And so I enjoy, again, when we talked about redundancy before we started recording, I'm recording to the SD card in that, plus Audio Hijack, plus Riverside. Yeah. That's just how I do. I like that. So I know people who do that. I don't think I want to use a field recorder as my primary interface. I do have a field recorder. It's a Zoom. Right, right. Uh, H6. But um, I, I've decided, yes, I'm going to live on the wild side and only record in two places. <laughs> Three is two. Two is one. Because honestly, all of my podcasts are on the internet when we record them. And so right. if my computer dies so badly that I lose my recording, yeah. I'm not talking to anybody at that point either. Like <laughs> it totally has died. And right. so the having the backup recording won't necessarily matter. I did learn at, at some point I was using a piece of software that recorded in QuickTime format. And it turns out that if QuickTime format, if you pull the plug on the computer while it's recording the QuickTime format, you can't get the file back. Right. It's unrecoverable. Yeah. And since then I've recorded everything as waves because those, even if you pull the plug you can read every single bit of sound that was written in the file until the moment that the power got plugged or got pulled that's very good this episode is brought to you by text expander from smile software guys i'm so excited for the first time text expander is sponsoring this show because i've been using text expander for years and years i absolutely love it whatever it is that you have to repeatedly type something as small as your personal or work email address to maybe answering frequently asked questions about your business or maybe you're a freelancer and you send the same kind of project questions to the people you work with. Well, Text Expander can make all of that super easy. Access those things that you type the most by just using a few keystrokes. You can work faster and eliminate repetition so you can focus on what matters to you. Text Expander is great for customer support, sales, recruiting, engineering, operations, literally anything. I use it for my email address, my physical address, my phone number. I actually use it for the sponsors of the show. I'll create a little snippet for what I put in the show notes and with a few keystrokes, it can just pop on screen. I also used it a lot when I was doing web development and did some HTML, common CSS and HTML tasks I would just put in a simple keystroke. Not only does it save time, but it also makes sure you're accurate. Once you know your snippet is totally accurate, you never have to worry about mistyping your email again. You just do semicolon EM. Here's how it works. You create a snippet, build and collect your most commonly used emails, phrases, messages, URLs even. I use TextExpander too to like share my podcast and YouTube channel by using TextExpander snippets. Deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps you use. Text Expander is available on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, and you can even get it on iPhone and iPad. They have a great third-party keyboard so you can expand your snippets right there on your iPhone. And if you use apps like Bear for note-taking, that's my note app, it actually works with Text Expander. You can sync all your snippets and you can use Text Expander right from your Magic Keyboard and your iPad or your iPhone. It's so good. Check out Text Expander today and say goodbye to repetitive typing. Listeners of the Apple Insider Show get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That link will be in the show notes as well. Textexpander.com slash podcast. I know you'll love it. I've loved it for years. Our thanks to Smile Software and Text Expander for sponsoring this episode. Also going into the editing side of podcasts, I'm, I believe it was you who inspired me to do this, but I edit all of my shows. I do three to four a week and I edit them in Ferrite on the iPad. Yeah. I love editing on Ferrite with the Apple Pencil. And I know you had been doing that for a long time. Do you still edit yours on the iPad? I do. When I edit podcasts, I am editing fewer podcasts than I have in a while. One of the things I did sort of as a, uh, not quite a New Year's resolution, but tr- looking at, at 20, uh, 22 and trying to think of how I was spending my time, I realized that I, I was when I went out on my own, I took on, you know, you start a new business and you, you take on all the 
all the tasks that are required the in the new things. business and you yeah. learn how to do them. And then after it's been seven years, you look at it and you say, I should stop doing things just because I can do them mm. because there, it's too many things. So I, I offloaded a lot of my editing. I don't do as much of it as I used to. But yeah, my the, the, the editing I prefer, especially if I'm going to do a more kind of opinionated, detailed edit of a, of a podcast is Ferrite using an Apple Pencil. Yeah. I love it. These days I do more editing in Logic, but that's mostly because I'm just using logic to, you know, trim to the beginning and the end and put on the music sure. and output it on my Mac. And I can do that, you know, it, I'm not really doing much editing there, right? I'm just more assembling the show. Right. But like one of the things I loved about Ferrite is that with the Apple Pencil, you have this really the ability to, I mean, not only is it hands-on in a way that it isn't when you're using a keyboard and a mouse, but I really liked being able to edit like specific things people say using the pencil to sort of like strike part of, a, you know, a hesitation and then right. quickly select everything else and drag it back and you make a perfect edit that no one will ever even know that you made. Right. Um, it just feels so tactile and fun to do that that way. And, and uh, Ferrite is great for that. Also, when I travel, if I have a podcast that's going on, I was traveling somewhere and it was not even a podcast I was on, but it was a podcast I was producing. And they, you know, put the files in Dropbox. I put them in Ferrite. Yeah. I did a quick edit, put it out. N didn't bring my computer with me on that trip. Just use my right. iPad. It's great. So that brings me to my next question because... When I travel, I edit in Ferrite traveling or not, but when it comes to recording a show, I've been beating this drum for a while. Recording a podcast on iPad is still not great. Nope. It's not a great experience. And really, you can't and probably shouldn't do it. Right. Now, as we look to WWDC coming June 6th in a couple months, one of the features I hope Apple allows, which I don't know if you've ever tried this, but on iPad OS, if you connect a USB audio device, even if it's just a USB microphone, two apps cannot access that device simultaneously. You can record in Ferrite, but if you try to open FaceTime or Skype, like in split view, mm -hmm. it'll throw up an error and it'll tell you this device is already in use. And so just little things like that, I'm hoping Apple can address that fixes some of those weird things. I've been hoping that for like five years now and it hasn't uh, happened. It is a legacy <laughs> of the original iPhone OS where they thought, well, why does more than one app need access to the audio subsystem? Right. And you still see it in weird places like, okay, podcasting is a niche thing, right? Sure. And it's absolutely true. I would really like to be able to... Imagine just the basic thing of like, okay, I'm going to go into voice memos and press record. Right. And then I'm going to go to Skype or Zoom. <laughs> no. No, it won't, no, let, you. <laughs> you it won't let you do that. There's no functionality to do something like that. But a more mainstream thing might be something like you're on the phone with somebody and you're saying, I have a problem here. My my refrigerator is blinking and it's weird. Can I send you a video of it? And they're like, all right. And then you open the camera app and the video option isn't there. Yeah, it's not there. And it's like, why isn't it there? And the answer is because the video subsystem is going to record video and audio and you're on a right. phone call yes. and it's barred. It's also the same way sometimes, you know, if you're listening to music or a podcast right. and you want to shoot some video in the camera app, yes. the audio stops. Right. And on the Mac, like if you have five different apps playing audio, guess what? They just all overlay. They just it's all go. They just fine. do it. Have you seen the hack for how, if you're listening to music, how to take a video while it, and continue the audio? Yeah, I mean, there's there's workarounds, but I think they're bugs, basically, right? <laughs> they're essentially bugs. They are bugs. I mean, basically, if you're playing music or listening to a podcast on your iPhone, you can open the camera app, and in the photo 
area like if you're going to take a photo you tap and hold on the shutter button and then you drag it upwards or rightwards depending on how you're holding your phone mm. which starts recording a video and all of a sudden you're recording a video and the music or podcast never stop playing like weird right that's the like the quick shortcut that's a new feature yeah, that, that was added that <laughs> right. do, that does bypass this and yet I, you can be in that moment where you're like why am i not seeing am i missing video why is it not in the, right you feel like a crazy it's person because you're on the phone which makes no sense but there you are Aside from from these, again, you've been asking for five years, still not happened. Who who knows? Who knows? Final Cut on iPad is another one. But are, what are you hoping to see, big feature wise, Apple does at WWDC? Maybe both on the iPad and also on the Mac on your new Mac Studio. Oh, you know, on the Mac, I, I'm honestly more interested in the new hardware coming out. I mean, yeah. I think I just want the Mac software to be stable and for them to fix bugs. And I'm right. a little less concerned about Features. reinventing things. Sure. I mean, I, shortcuts. I come back to shortcuts and automation on the Mac. Like they they start started this process of moving user automation to shortcuts on the Mac and said it's the future, but they said it's going to be a process. I want them to work on that, and I especially want them to work on their apps doing better to support shortcuts because there's all sorts of parts of Mac OS that just are not automatable without a third-party utility mm-hmm. like Keyboard Maestro and uh, doing weird things like simulating clicks on a screen and stuff, which is not right. good. It's not good. No. So I, I want to see on the Mac, I really want to see a broader commitment to automation and maybe even get them to say what the future of uh, scripting is. Are they going to embrace JavaScript as a scripting language? Uh, mm. Thinking that Apple script is not going to survive for forever Uh, or are they going to invent some sort of like light version of Swift that they want you to use to script applications because there's a lot of stuff that you can't really do with shortcuts uh, that Apple script can do right Um, that's just little like detailed kind of stuff of like get this thing and this give me a list I mean or you if you could do it in shortcuts it would be so baroque of like (laughs) piling up commands that it would just not be yes it would not be a good situation so I'm hoping that they advance the ball there. I assume they'll they'll announce a bunch of things that are across all the platforms and the Mac will pick it up. I, I, right. I would like to see the Mac more intelligently implement stuff like focus mode right now is it, I hope they go back and make the focus mode stuff more relevant on the Mac. My fear is that they'll just move on to the next thing and ship something that's sort of half thought out, mm. uh, which would be too bad. And then on I, iOS, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of it and I'm going to say it again and again and again until they do it, which is not only do I, yes, want to see pro apps on the iPad from Apple, but I want to see external desktop support because right now if you plug mm. if you plug a display into an iPad Pro, you can plug the studio display into the iPad Pro and it shows a mirrored version of what's on the iPad screen pillar boxed and that's an M1 and I, I just I want them to get away from mirroring and actually you it's a, it has full support for keyboard and, and trackpad now, right? Like that right. OS can do it and the next step is let me plug it into a screen and let me put multiple apps on that screen And that's going to require new multitasking concepts. And that's what I'll hope for. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm going to hold out hope. They really complicated the matter putting M1 in like the iPad Pro. I have the (laughs) 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Yep. That's one terabyte, 16 gigs of unified memory, literally the same innards as the 13 inch MacBook Pro. Yep. And yet does not do many of the things that that Mm. Mac can do. Final Cut, namely, and external display support. I'm curious, there's been a recent rumor that Apple is going to make some version of iPadOS that depending on what device you connect it to, whether it's a magic keyboard or an external display, that it will somehow enable additional features 
when it's connected to that device. So like if you're an, a pro iPad user and you want to connect it to that external display, you'll all of a sudden be able to float windows around and do a different kind of multitasking than just staying alone on the iPad. What do you think about yeah, that? I would argue they're already moving down that path. I think the, mm. the whole idea of the iPad and iPad OS has been it adapts to what you what form you want it to take. And what they will never do with the iPad is say, uh, you can't just hold one in your hand and use your hands on the screen, right? They're never going to say that. That's the fundamental yeah. base functionality of an iPad. When you attach an iPad to a keyboard case, mm. the the software keyboard doesn't come up anymore. Right. And if you attach it to the Magic Keyboard, uh, you get a cursor. Right. Or if you attach a Bluetooth pointing device, you get a cursor. Or a USB keyboard, you get a cursor. So all we're really saying is, what if it changed its... Aspect ratio. Yeah. Uh, ...format when you attach it to an external display? Or did more things, like more windowing and kind of things when you attach it to the Magic Keyboard, beyond mm. just having a little cursor and having the keyboard like it's already or the apple pencil right the apple pencil changes the equation in a bunch of ways too when you have one of those attached so i'd say that's that's not breaking the metaphor of ipad os at all um the question is just how much they want to push that but i think you could argue that if somebody is putting an ipad in a keyboard uh, and trackpad case a magic keyboard or attaching it to a big display that they have their big boy pants on and want to do <laughs> more with it and that the os should adapt to that and not say oh no 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 we're still four by three touch-based operating systems. Yeah. like they're they're not yeah so they need to i i think they should embrace that i agree selfishly i i had the 12.9 inch ipad pro i also have an m1 pro macbook pro because those were incredible laptops and I, I wanted one of those. But now I feel like I have a little bit of device, not a little bit, a lot of device overlap where I have yep. a Mac Studio, a MacBook Pro, and an iPad Pro. And I would love to offload one of those devices and I would love for it to actually be the MacBook Pro because I really do love the iPad Pro for many things. When I want to watch something at night, I want to do it on the iPad Pro. When I want to edit a podcast, I do it in Ferrite. But they still just need that one or two extra things like Final Cut on the iPad Pro and things like being able to record a podcast when I'm traveling. Just a few simple things like that. And I feel like the iPad Pro could actually be that computer that Apple advertised it to be uh, several years ago, you know, when they announced the Magic Keyboard. Yeah, I think the real question is with Apple Silicon on the Mac now, have they recalibrated what the Mac is? Mm. I think we would say yes. Right. Does that mean they've also recalibrated what the iPad needs to be? Oh, no, but they just put an M1 in it. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, I think you made a really good point there that the truth is they could have called that. They didn't need to call it M1. They no, could have no. called it A14X or A15X or whatever. And they, they could have... Right. They could have lied, essentially, and people would have x-rayed it and said, aha, this looks exactly like the M1, but they, they could have just not talked about it. But they thought calling it the M1 is good branding, and it's like, look how yeah. impressive this is, but it makes you question all the other things about their software not keeping up. And I, I choose to be optimistic about it, yeah. um, especially about like the windowing and multitasking. I feel like the multitasking changes they made last fall were very much to create a new base on which to add features. Like right. People were, were complaining like, oh, they just rearranged everything and it's the same functionality it's like i didn't see it that way i saw it as that they realized that the current metaphor for multitasking wasn't going to let them do other stuff with multitasking like multiple windows and maybe even like floating windows or tile 
tiling multiple apps. Like right. they, they had stuff they wanted to do that the old metaphor didn't work with. So they built a new thing with the little, the little uh, dots at the top of a, an app and all of that stuff is trying to build a new system that they can take and add more stuff to. So my optimistic yeah. side says next step is to actually add those things in. My pessimistic side comes out with things like the podcasting thing you mentioned, which is I, I don't understand why they haven't made attempts not to not to just please podcasters but the audio subsystem is so primitive yeah. and i do wonder in fact if it's one of the reasons why logic and final cut aren't on the ipad is that it requires some fundamental changes to the base parts of the operating system that have gone largely untouched mm. since the iphone days right because the iphone was originally and still kind of is a you use one app at a time kind of device right. and so why would you need multiple audio streams or or different apps having access to the microphone or anything like that but mm. time has moved on and and that's just sat there so i perhaps it's so buried so deep that it's a difficult problem and it's going to be yeah. a lot of work and maybe they think it's not worth it but i do sometimes wonder if all these things are bound up together and there's like yeah. os limitations that mean that when the people who do final cut look at the the operating system they're like we really don't want to do this <laughs> at the same time ferrite exists right and that that great editing app whose name now escapes me oh luma fusion yeah yeah luma fusion that's it on ipad os and apple's not there and so what's the excuse i right, guess right. i don't know so that's that's my that's my frustrated part about the ipad is that i feel like apple has been selling an ipad pro for a long time and they have pro apps and yet when it comes to their their ipad pro they tell you to use GarageBand mm. and iMovie e. and it just as a owner of an ipad pro Pro, I actually kind of find it offensive that they claim that it's a pro product and they yet they won't deign to put their pro products on it. Mm. It's fr so frustrating. Yeah. And I will say those three dots for the multitasking, when I'm editing in Ferrite, oh. I know, see, exactly. I actually, it's the, I edit on the yeah. iPad mini actually because it's so much lighter. And if I'm editing mm -hmm. for an extended period of time, I don't want to hold the 12.9 inch. So yeah. I actually edit because I'm doing two or three tracks at most on the iPad mini. But I cannot tell you how many times I inadvertently tap those three dots because I, so, I, when I tap, when I want to like move the playhead, I just naturally am looking at the center of mm -hmm. the screen and that's where I want to move the playhead and I yeah. trigger it all the time. So I, I talked to uh, Candice, who is the developer of Ferrite, and yeah. there is a setting now that lets you change the behavior up there that is designed because it's a problem and I found that it makes it less bad okay but it's but it's still bad I I absolutely my all my muscle memory is to tap at the play for, to put the playhead in the center right and if you miss it by a millimeter you tap the multitasking button oh my goodness so well I'm gonna it's have to worst. ask him I'm gonna have to ask him for that setting because it is crazy making there is a setting I swear <laughs> okay, I'll ask him well real quick Audio Hijack 4 was just announced I imagine you are using it as we speak I'm using it to record as well I am and you you had a couple great articles talking about the automation features, which is new to Audio Hijack 4. And so I'm just curious how you have been using automations, maybe also tied with shortcuts when you do your podcasting. Is there any automations that you're like, this, I'm so glad it does this now. It's made the whole process a lot easier. Well, yeah, I was trying to automate Audio Hijack uh, 3. And the problem was just that it, it, there was no way to do it. And so mm -hmm. I mentioned Keyboard Maestro earlier. Like I could get it to like launch the app and do a keyboard shortcut and then assume that this window was there and look look for a something and then when you find it click what i really just wanted to do is i wanted to be able to like press a button or a keystroke and say start recording mm. and you can do all that stuff in audio hijack 4 it's fairly easy to do all of that not only do you not even have to have the sessions open in order to activate them you nice. can activate them from the menu bar love that they don't you have to be, don't have to be open windows that's great but now that they have they have a javascript interface
interface and then you can tie into it with shortcuts. It lets you do things like say, hey, is this thing recording? And if the answer is no, you can say, okay, start recording, you know, or maybe make sure that this thing is turned on and start recording. Or if it's not recording, you do that. If it is recording, you say, oh, well, then just stop recording. And then if you if you wire that to a keystroke, you've just got a toggle of start recording, stop recording, and it'll automatically launch the app and it'll start recording and it'll do all those things. Mm. And then, yeah, you can you can script it right down to individual blocks in an individual session if you want to. And I have (laughs) I've created a bunch of different different things that do that, including a thing with keyboard maestro because keyboard maestro lets you update the 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 picture on the button on a stream deck and so i have a i have a, a macro that basically is combination keyboard maestro and shortcuts where i have a little audio hijack icon on my stream deck and when i press it it lights up orange mm. and starts recording right. and then when i press it again goes back to its original state and stops recording and it's a one button press kind of thing it toggles it knows what the current state is uh, which is big because right toggles that toggle but don't know the current state are really dumb because they can get out of sync <laughs> that's a useless toggle they can get out of sync right where it's like well i think yeah i yeah, think yeah. i'm recording but now that means i'm not recording yeah and exactly. then later you're like oh now it does like it's just the worst so uh anyway i i look forward to doing more with that but i i think that's going to be one of the big benefits to people who like to do automation stuff is just if you if you want it the way you want it and you can make that something that you fire off with a macro instead of having to launch the app and open the thing and then right. you know click a couple of things and then press the button it's better like it's better if you only have to do one thing instead of six and that's the whole promise of automation so i'm glad they implemented that i think they were really reluctant to work on automation before apple had declared what the future of automation on the mac was and once they embraced uh shortcuts on the mac that freed up rogue amoeba to to move forward i also think it's interesting they chose javascript so even if you're not using mac os monterey you can still automate you just can't use shortcuts but rather than doing something in apple script which I think everybody feels is not long for this world. <laughs> right. They just, they're using the job, JavaScript engine that's in the system, um, but they're using it to control all the details of their apps. And that's why I would kind of like Apple to come out maybe even this year and say, yes, JavaScript is the way you should make your app <laughs> scriptable right? or invent something new. If they, that would be typical Apple to be like, I know everybody uses JavaScript, but we decided Swift script. it's going to be Swift script instead. <laughs> yeah. And so everybody learned that now. Mm. I mean, JavaScript's actually been a peer of AppleScript for years. Right. In macOS, you can you can write Apple scripts that are actually JavaScripts <laughs> that control apps and stuff. So it would not be a wild thing for Apple to say JavaScript is the way. But I don't know. Yeah. You know. They have, they have Swift. It would not surprise me if they're like, no, no, no. Swift is so great. It can be used for scripting too. And, uh, you know. I always remember that cartoon where it's like, we're going to develop one more document that will be universal and everyone can just use this and really just creates one more format that everybody has and to learn. Just, exactly. Add it, to the, <laughs> add it to the pile. And I don't like, I don't particularly like JavaScript, but I have to appreciate that it's just ubiquitous. And so yeah, maybe yeah. we should just embrace it and say, because uh, like I said, I, I think there are complicated, especially if you're like um, scripting individual applications with individual features and individual items inside a document, like getting status of a document and moving the cursor to a different place and BB edit and stuff like that. Like I try to imagine (laughs) how you do that in shortcuts and it would be awful. Like that's where you want fundamental sort of like scripting language that lets you control items in in an app. And that's the missing piece of Apple's automation strategy on the Mac right now is that, okay, shortcuts, we've got it. But shortcuts is a replacement for automator, not Apple 
Apple Script. Mm. So what's the replacement for Apple Script? And, mm. and we don't know. Maybe it's JavaScript or maybe it's something Swifty. <laughs> Who knows? One last question on Audio Hijack, just for me personally. Do you put any audio processing blocks between your input and the recording that's happening in Audio Hijack? Or do you no. leave it pretty blank? No. Okay. No. Okay. Never, never. Okay. I had this happen where somebody sent me a recording of a podcast they were on and they had a, a noise gate on it. Oh, no. Because they were in a noisy environment and they overdid it and mm. you couldn't hear him. Yeah. And I couldn't use the file. So my recommendation for anybody who's recording and Audio Hijack has all these great features that let you denoise and de-reverb. Right. My recommendation is this. If you want to do that, like my friend, like Glenn Fleischman, <laughs> he, 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 he records everything in a noise generation. He's got like three different hum generating machines of various kinds, a water heater and a heater and a washing <laughs> oh machine. Oh, he, wow. also, he, he also is asthmatic, so he does breathing. He has this whole chain wow. that gets a surprisingly clean audio file out of it. Right. However, even with Glenn, I say, first thing after your microphone is a recording block. Yeah. <laughs> never don't record the raw audio because right. if your settings are bad, like this person who was not Glenn, who will remain nameless, who who um, noise-gated himself out of existence. It's like, if, if you don't <laughs> oh, have no. the original to fall back on, you're doomed. So, yeah. so when somebody asks you to record audio, if you want to do something fancy, go ahead, but also record the raw audio. Always the Always. raw. Yes, okay. Always. So you don't even put an EQ there. It's just raw. I uh, To the recorder, it's raw. Yeah. I mean, because anything you can do live in Audio Hijack, you can do later yeah, yeah. in post if you need to. Right. So yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't. I do some, I have some recording things that do get processed, but they're different things. So like uh, the, for the Incomparable, we have a thing called the bootleg, which ATP does now, Accidental right. Tech Podcast, and a bunch of other people do, where it's like, it's the live recording. Right. And it just gets put out as a podcast. And ATP was actually our inspiration because there were people who who would record the ATP live stream. Oh my goodness. Um, and then, and then, <laughs> then listen to it later. And so, and we started talking about like, oh my God, there are people. And there was like an, a, an underground, there was like a group where people would send the file around. Um, and wow. so they were literally, they were bootlegging the live a stream. A black market for <laughs> Um, which now is a member feature, which I love. Yeah, but that's but great. the incomparable did it first. And then I think Marco forgot that it originated with them. And so he's like, oh, we're going to do it like the incomparable. And uh, I'm like, well, actually, we're doing it like <laughs> your fans were doing before. It's double inception. That's an MP3 file that is posted right after the live stream is over, yeah. containing the live stream. Right, right, right. And so that, all my stuff feeds into a thing. And there's a compressor. And so, because I want to level out all the, the difference right. in volume between like my microphone and everybody who's on zoom right, and right. then it saves that out as a pre-tagged it's really awesome pre-tagged it's already got the show artwork and everything in it wow. mp3 file mono low bit rate because right. the quality isn't great of the, of the zoom call anyway so that one's super processed and the end result is when i press stop at the end of the live stream i immediately just i have a file i just upload it and so those bootlegs go up within like a minute That's awesome. of the live stream being over so i do that with that stuff but like out of the microphone don't process it no. i Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I just I see these tutorials on YouTube because when Audio Hijack Four, I was just looking to see what everybody was talking about, and they're putting all these blocks between the mic and the recorder. I, was like, I know. Is this what people do out there? Like, don't I feel like it. a crazy person. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do it. No, it's it's just. I mean, I get it's awesome that you can make your stuff sound better, but like sure, if you don't sure. have a if you don't have a an original to fall back on, it's like imagine if you were doing a work of art in Photoshop or any kind of art program, right. and back in the day with Photoshop, once you press save, like destructive, it, it's you over. can't. Yeah. It, you can't go back. So like imagine 
a situation where you're like, well, the, all these effects are really awesome, but they flatten all my layers and oh, save yeah. it out and I can never get it back. <laughs> it's like, that. well, don't do that. Yeah, never. Right? Make a copy. Yes. Make a copy and then run your filters because yes. y- if you regret it, it's too late. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's okay. Very good. You know, anybody who's been through the wars, like I, I love talking <laughs> to people who've, who've d- done these same things because it's that same. It's like, no, 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 don't, don't, yeah, don't always keep your originals. Always, always, <laughs> always. Yes. Very good. In all things. Well, if you would allow, I'd like to do a quick lightning round, a James Lipton uh, Inside the Actor Studio lightning round. All right. Number one, what speed do you listen to podcasts? Uh, one tick up on Overcast. So whatever that is, 1.1. 1. 1. I, I, I don't okay. listen to 100%, uh, but I listen only very slightly more than that. And then with smart speed and voice boost turned on. So it's, it you know, essentially 1.1 1. 1 or 1. 1.2, something in there. Gotcha. Mouse or trackpad? trackpad i used to use a trackball oh wow um in the early days i got into a trackball the uh kensington turbo mouse yeah, yeah. and i loved it but once you start doing like scroll wheel and stuff right. trackballs were not they did not fit that metaphor and <laughs> apple came out with a magic trackpad and i was like oh yeah well this is great because right i use it on the on my laptops all the time right and now i can just use it everywhere and so i'm i've been exclusively magic trackpad for i don't know as long as the magic trackpad has existed okay okay and with that natural scrolling or unnatural uh natural the new the new one the newer one. because yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it, and it really does sort of feel right yes. when i think when using a trackpad yeah, correct default web browser safari yep task app of choice what's a task app uh right <laughs> if you're going to say uh remind me to get milk at the store well I would use any list for milk because our uh, for our, we have a oh, grocery yes. app that's shared between my wife and I, and it yes. also talks to um, the Amazon Echo. I love any list. So we can be in the kitchen and tell the Amazon Echo to add it to the shopping list, and it's added to our shared shopping list. You can do that with a HomePod too. Oh yeah, you have to set up a shortcut, but you can do it with any list. Yeah, but you have to do you have to have a, your phone turn it's more complicated on, it is more on the home pod because yeah, yeah. you've got to have your your actions linked to your list phone and, like and i don't anyway for most things though it's reminders actually mm-hmm. i have like all my story ideas i have a, a list called story list in reminders and i write all of my like ideas for stories i want to write in there so and, and occasionally okay. tasks will go in there um and the other place tasks will go is in my calendar what? i'm a mess when it comes to tasks yeah oh merlin man would have something to say about that Oh, Mike Hurley has lots of things to say about it too, but occasionally I'll do it. I, I'm not as bad as I used to be about it, but when I worked at IDG, I had my day was full of calendar, uh, calendar items for meetings. And so if I needed to do something, I would literally block out time to do it because uh, otherwise it wouldn't get done. Yeah, that's and good. that kind of stuck with me for a long time in terms of saying, I need to do this. I'm going to just put an hour down and say, do this. Yes. And I still do that actually for my Macworld column. Ironically, I have a, a recurring event on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. that says, write your column. Oh, there you go. All right, final question on your Mac. What position is your dock in and do you auto hide? Always visible. Mm-hmm. Right side. Right side. I'm a right side docker. It's true. Are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm right-handed. Okay. Interesting. Only problem is that if you try to put a another external display to your right, you lose the dock. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I hate it. I can't I couldn't I'm I'm only a single display user most of the time. Same. But every yeah. time I try to put it like an iPad running sidecar or something on the right, I'm like, oh no, my dock. It's gone. <laughs> I'll have to use switch glass instead by John Syracuse. But oh, um yeah, yeah. but yeah, I prefer 
I, yeah, right side, no hiding, um, and uh, just scale animation. I know you didn't ask that, but I, I'm not a genie effect person either. It's too fancy. Yeah, I don't do the genie. I do the scaling. Well, very good. Jason Snell, thank you so much for coming on the show. We will put links to your Twitter, to sixcolors.com. Where else would you like to direct people? Six Colors has most everything I do at least linked to from there. My weekly Macworld column, my Incomparable podcast and, and upgrade. But yeah, the Incomparable.com for pop culture podcasts. It's a network that I started and my podcasts are on there too. At Relay FM, I have Upgrade about Mac stuff mostly and Apple stuff and Downstream which is about the business of streaming media that's which right. is a new podcast that's a lot of fun that's good. and so uh, yeah check those out along with Six Colors very good we'll put links to all of that in the show notes once again thanks so much Jason thank you thank you